So good to see everybody this morning as we're gathered together in uh, God's house. I want you to open up your Bibles to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. As we are reminded of God's amazing grace, amen. This is amazing grace that you laid down your life for me. You know, that is the love of God, amen. That is the perfect love of God. That's that sacrificial agape love that I talked about last week. And so uh, today, we're going to talk about the flip side of that coin, the opposite of that. And you know, when we begin to look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we begin to look at the, in the Word of God and see what the Word of God says, you know, a lot of people are asking us questions, uh, you know, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the end of days? When is Jesus going to come back? Now, the fact is, we don't know when Jesus is going to come back, and we don't know just how bad things are going to get before Jesus comes back, although the Bible does give us some indication of some things that are going to be taking place just before uh, the return of Jesus Christ. But when we begin to look in the Word of God, and we begin to understand Scripture uh, a little bit better, we'll begin to understand there's, there's a little bit of debate on, uh, on this, but the way I view uh, in times events is today we're living in the day of grace. We're living in that day of grace where we can come uh, to the Lord and be saved, but then there's going to be a day that I believe is coming very soon where there's going to be a rapture of the church, a taking away of the church where Jesus is going to come and He's going to meet His church in the clouds of glory and there He's going to bring His church to the Father's house and there He's going to present His bride. And so as we begin to look at that, it's going to usher in a time on this earth for those who are left behind, a time of tribulation. And so on this earth there's going to be seven years of tribulation. It's going to be worse than any times that this earth has ever seen before. In fact, Jesus said, unless those days were cut short, that nobody would even survive it. And so it's going to be just a horrible, horrible time here upon this earth. And then after that seven years of tribulation, then uh, Jesus is going to come back riding upon that white horse written on his thigh. is going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Upon his head are going to be many diadems. And he's going to slay the nations with that sword that's going to come out of his mouth which is the Word of God. He's going to step foot on the Mount of Olives. He's going to split it in half. Behind Him is going to be His heavenly host. That's going to be us. Amen. It's going to be all of the redeemed of all of the ages going to be coming down here with Him on this earth. He's going to rule and reign for 1,000 years. After that 1,000 years then, we're going to see the new Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven. Well, first of all, there's going to be a new earth and there's going to be a new heaven. But on that new earth, we're going to see a new Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that heavenly city that's going to come down and we're going to enter into that and there we're going to be in that new Jerusalem, in that heavenly city with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And so when we begin to look at that and begin to think about it, we understand some of those things, some of those things maybe you said, well I just heard what you said but I didn't comprehend anything <laughs> of what you just said and I know it can be complicated when we look at end time events and you know there's a little debate on you know what some folks believe when the rapture is going to take place and it's okay if they're wrong they're not heretics amen and so as we begin to look at that we could debate on that we could differ on that but one thing that we do know is that Jesus is coming back amen and he is coming back to get his church he's coming back to take his church and Jesus told us just before he comes back there are going to be some signs that are going to take place why did he tell us that because his disciples specifically asked Jesus what are those days going to be like Amen. What, what are things going to look like? 
uh, during those days. And so when we begin to understand and recognize that here it is that they specifically asked Jesus, for instance, in Matthew chapter 24 and some other places we find that recorded in Scripture, we, we, we find there that Jesus began to unfold to them what some of those things are going to look like and what those days are going to look like. So just prior to the rapture of the church, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, we find uh, that Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors and wars. We don't see any of those things taking place today, do we? We see that there's going to be pestilences. We see that there's going to be famine. Uh, the Bible says there's going to be earthquakes. Jesus said there's going to be false prophets and friends. We're living in a day of an abundance of false prophets. The Bible says there's going to be a falling away. And I believe that, that, that apostasy, that falling away is not just a numeric falling away of the numbers of those who are coming uh, to church, but also a biblical falling away of those who are teaching the truth of the Word of God. There may be some uh, rapidly growing churches during this time, but they're teaching a false gospel. They're teaching a false doctrine. They're tickling uh, people's ears, as we're going to see here in just a moment. And we also see that there's going to be a worldwide hatred of Israel. You know, even the United States is going to turn its back on Israel. And right now we have congresswomen, we have people in Congress and people in the Senate who have very openly and very publicly uh, made anti-Semitic remarks without rebuke. Right here in the United States, without rebuke. Because those folks are of a minority and we better not say anything to them, otherwise we'd be racist, right? That's what it all boils down to. And so here it is, right here in the United States, that's taking place today it's a day in which the Bible says we're going to call good evil and evil good. And boy, I could camp out on that one a long time. Amen? We could stay there a long time when we're calling good evil and evil good. But you know, I believe that the biggest one of all, the greatest one of all is when uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, we're going to get into 2 Timothy chapter 3 in just a minute, but Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. He says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold one towards another. Lawlessness is increased, and as a result of lawlessness increasing, most people's love will grow cold one towards towards another we don't have the love we don't have a sense of community we don't have a sense of oneness with one another we don't have a sense of nationalism anymore we don't have a sense of a uh, 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 patriotic pride and and, and and you know that that that's of the world you know, those people of the world, I'm not talking about Christians. And so, and there's not, of course, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're wonderful things that even people of the world has had throughout the course of history. But now, that is quickly eroding. That is quickly uh, uh, fading away because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will go, grow cold one towards another. And friends, that's the day and age in which we're living in today. You know, we can look at wars 
There are going to be wars and rumors of wars. And the uh, skeptic will say, well, there's always been wars and rumors of wars. We can look at the fact that there's going to be pestilence. And the skeptic can say, well, there's always been pestilence. We can look at the earthquakes and say, well, there's always been earthquakes and the famines. And there's always been famines. We can look at all of those things. And the skeptic will say that, you know, we've always had those things. Of course, there's going to be an increase in mockers the closer we get to the end times as well. And so, you know, an increase in those is also uh, telling us the fact that here it is that we're looking at the last days. And so again, we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back, but I do believe the closer we get to His return, the more wicked mankind is going to be, and the more the, the, the less love we're going to see in society, and the more hate one towards another that we're going to see in society. Yes, there's always been hate towards one another, but to see it at the level and the extent that we have in the society today, we are more divided in the United States of America today. We are more divided in the world today than we've ever been. Amen? And so when you look at that, you begin to understand that here it is in the world, we, we begin to recognize that, that lack of love, that, that, that absence of love within the heart, and we're talking about worldly people right now. We're not talking about godly people. We're not talking about men and women of God. We're talking about people out there in the world that it's just going to continue to increase. That's going to get greater and greater and greater. And therefore, the world is going to get uglier and uglier and uglier. You say, well, that doesn't sound too good. No, it doesn't, but praise God, we're saved. Amen, and praise God. God, we know that Jesus is coming back and He's going to take us out of all this mess, I believe, pretty soon. But when we look in that, in, uh, I'm sorry, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we find something very interesting. And what we find right here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, we find that the Apostle Paul, who is writing to Pastor Timothy, telling Pastor Timothy, Timothy, you need to equip your church, you need to get your church ready uh, for the fact that, that some difficult days are coming, because he says right here, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Realize this. And we need to realize this. Amen? We need to be aware of this. We, we, we need to be prepared for this. We, we need to be on guard for this. We need to understand that some difficult days are coming. You say, well, we're looking around and say, well, we're in some difficult days. These are trying days. These are difficult days that we're living in. And so the Word of God warns us of this, which we need to take heed to that warning that difficult days are going to come. And so I don't want to tell you this just to try to burst your bubble, just try to steal your joy, because we as Christians need to continue to have joy in the midst of all of this mess, amen, and, and understand that here, here it is that he, even the Apostle Paul, he, he can still talk about the joy of his salvation in the midst of all the trials and the suffering that he is enduring in his life. And so when we recognize that begin to understand we need to be prepared. Difficult days are ahead. We're in living in difficult days. But I also want you to understand something that when we begin to look at those difficult days, those difficult days, what some folks might be living in some extraordinarily difficult days while others, it's not too difficult for them. In fact, things are looking pretty up for them. Things are looking pretty good for them. 
You know, the Bible tells us when the Word of God says that uh, just as in the, uh, the, the days of Noah, so shall it be for the returning of the Son of Man. Amen. That's the way it's going to be when Jesus comes back. It's going to be just like it was during the days of Noah. Well, how was the days of Noah? The days of Noah, the Bible tells us that it, uh, it was only evil continually within their heart. That's all that was in their heart was evil continually. The Bible says there was violence within the land. They were very violent. Violent people, that's what they thrived on, that's what they lived on, was violent. But then the Bible also says that there was marriage and there was giving of marriage. Everybody just going about their daily routines. Everybody just going about their daily lives. Everybody just living their life just like nothing whatsoever was about to take place. And oh yeah, there was some crazy guy down there in the valley. His name was Noah. You know, he was making a boat, but he's just a nut. He's talking about some kind of judgment of God that's about to come. Nobody's paying attention to him or his three sons. They're just a bunch of crazy folks down there. We're just going to go about our business doing our own thing. All of a sudden it starts raining no what are all these animals doing going down there that that boat and then it going down there that crazy guy uh-oh now the door is shut and that's a big uh-oh amen and the world's going about their business looking at Christians like they're a bunch of, a bunch of nuts and they, they say, you know, we're, we're just going about our business doing our own things and living our own merry little lives and doing what we want to do and there's some preacher down there on the corner talking about how Jesus is going to come back and there's a great judgment that's about to befall the whole world but he's just a nut. Who wants to listen to him? Amen? And that's the world in which we're living in today. People don't want to take heed to the truth of the Word of God. But friends, we don't need to be swayed as men and women of God. We need to continue to go about our business. So for the world, it's everyday routine. It's, it's, it's the everyday business. It's marriage and giving of marriage. It's life just like life has always existed. But it's difficult days for the child of God. It's difficult days for the man of God. It's difficult days for the woman of God, first of all, the closer we get to the end of times the more persecution against the church that we're going to see. Second of all, the more ungodliness that we see within the world, the more difficult it's going to be for that Christian to live in the world. Amen? Just like the Apostle Paul when he was walking through the streets of Athens, there it is, the capital city of paganism, walking down the streets of Athens and his heart was pricked, his heart was provoked all over all of the wickedness and vile things that was all around him. It made him extraordinarily uncomfortable and it didn't stop him from witnessing to the people of Athens, but yet his heart was pricked and provoked over what was happening in the streets of Athens and as children of God, as men of God, as women of God, friends, we need to be provoked and pricked over the wickedness, the vile nature in which the world is in currently. If a Christian is comfortable walking down the streets of wickedness, then there's something wrong with that Christian. Amen? Something's wrong. You see, as we continue to look at this text of Scripture, we find right here, but realize this, that difficult days or difficult times will come. They're going to come. We're living in them. There's even more difficult times that's going to come. The world may be going about their merry old business. Amen? 
It's going to be difficult days for the men and women of God. Because of persecution, because of lawlessness, and because of ungodliness that is raising up all about them. The rest of the world, they don't care about any of that. They're going about in marriage and giving of marriage. They're going about in everyday life, of the everyday routine of life. Not worried about any of those things. You see, as we look at this text of Scripture, though, it begins to open our eyes a little bit more of what the Apostle Paul is talking about to young Timothy right here. He said, for men will be lovers of self. And so when we begin to look at, we start right here in verse 2, for men will be lovers of self. Well, what men is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Is he talking about men of the world? Is he talking about men outside of the church? He's talking about, you know, the, the, the wicked, vile people of the world. Who exactly is he talking about right here? And so when we look in the Word of God and we see here is skip on down to verse 5. We're going to look at the rest of these verses in a minute, but we skip on down to verse 5 and we see exactly who he's talking about. He says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power, avoid such men as these. So who are these men that he's talking about? They are holding to a form of godliness, yet they have denied the power. I believe they're men in the church. Amen? And women in the church, by the way. Folks in the church that are there, that are within the church, that are within the membership, that are within the body, and they hold to a form of godliness. They try to act like godly men. They try to act like godly women. They try to present themselves as such, but they have denied the power. And who's the power? Jesus is the power. Amen? Jesus is the power. Just like the church of Laodicea that Jesus spoke about in the church of, in the book of Revelation there in, in uh, Revelation chapter 3 as Jesus was speaking to the church of Laodicea. He said, you say that you're rich and in need of nothing, but I say you're blind, wretched, poor, miserable, and naked. And you know what he told them that they needed to do? They need to buy from them some white raiment, some white garments that, 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 that were white and gold that had been refined by fire. You you know what I believe Jesus was telling the church of Laodicea, the church of Laodicea, I believe Jesus was telling that church, y'all need to get saved. Amen? You need me. You claim you're rich and in need of nothing, and guess what that in need of nothing included was Jesus. I can do it all on my own. I don't need anything. And so this gets us to the point of the message and the point of the message is that I believe what we see today and what I believe that we're going to see in even more abundance the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ is the, not the gospel of Jesus Christ but the gospel of me. Amen? The gospel of me. It's all about me. It's all about myself. It's all about I. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I want to hear. It's all about what I want to do. It's all about how I want to feel. Everything revolves and is centered entirely around me. And I have no desire to do whatsoever that of what I preached on last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of having that agape love where we sacrifice ourselves on behalf of others. Oh no! I want others to sacrifice their self for me. 
Because it's all about me. And if it's not centered around me, then I'm going to get upset. I might even leave the church. I might even go somewhere else. Let somebody else tickle my ear. The Bible says that's what they're seeking. Amen? And so when we look at this text of Scripture right here, and and, and we begin to recognize and begin to understand, by the way, people leave churches for right reasons too. Amen? And so when we begin to look at this and we begin to recognize what we find here in the Word of God, we find here in verse 2, for men will be lovers of self. Oh, just so in love with themselves. It's all about them. And, and so when we understand and recognize what Paul is talking about right here, he's talking about is this list as we're going to go through here in just a minute. Folks within the church, I believe, that, that, that hold to a form of godliness, but yet they have denied the power, and yet they're making everything about their self and nothing about Jesus whatsoever. You know who Jesus is to them? He's a fire insurance policy and nothing more. Amen? He's a get-out-of-hell-free card. That's it. Amen? And I believe there's a whole lot more of those folks than we care to realize. Might be some here today. And so when we understand this and begin to look at this, the Apostle Paul, very clearly through the power of the Holy Spirit, is telling them to watch out for these guys. In fact, he says in, in, in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, this is what he says to, the, uh, to young Timothy, Pastor Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says this in verse, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to the deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as a as with a branding iron so they're falling away from the true church but they're going to an apostate church and they're listening to an apostate gospel a gospel that is centered all around me how's it gonna make me feel good How's it going to tickle my ears? How's it going to give me that goose bump? Amen? And listen, there's nothing wrong with feeling good. It's not that God doesn't want you to feel good. Of course God wants you to be happy. Amen? But He wants you to be happy in Him. But realize this. We're wicked, evil, and corrupt. Every one of them. So you will never be happy in you. Ever. You will never fulfill yourself. I can promise you that. I've tried that. Whether you admit it, you have too. And we've utterly failed. Amen? We've utterly failed in it. And so when we look at this, then we look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season, rebuke, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and, inst- and instruct. What does he mean by preach the word in season and out of season? Preach the word whether they want to hear it or not. Amen? You stick to the word even if they're ready to stone you to death, put you to death and hang you on a crucifix. You preach the word. Stay true to God's word. It's not your word, by the way. It's God's word. So who am I to change it up? Amen? Verse 3 goes on to say, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desire. Now we can go around and we can pick out all of the heretical preachers that are out there, but the only reason we find heretical preachers out there is because according to the Word of God, there's folks looking for them. Amen? And if there wasn't folks looking for them, there wouldn't be anybody there to to, to fill that position. (laughs) To give them what they want to hear. But that gospel centered all around me. Don't tell me truth. Don't preach to me conviction. Don't preach to me the truth of God's Word. I want to hear what makes me feel good. I want to hear what tickles my fancy. I want to hear what that motivational speech where I can walk out of there feeling good about myself because you know what? The reality is we can't feel good about ourselves all on our own because we're wicked. So we need to find motivational speakers if we don't know Jesus because they need to lift us up because we are convicted within our sins. But yet when I find that I am sufficient in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone and He has forgiven me of my sins and He has removed my sins as far as the east is from the west and I am set free and I am an adopted heir in Christ Jesus and I am a friend of Jesus Christ and I do have a home in glory that has been prepared for me by Jesus Christ Himself. Friends, you're not going to get any more sufficient than that and you shouldn't get any more motivated than that. Amen? But here it is, these individuals there, lovers of self. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Lovers of self. And so when we look at these lovers of self, he, he says there again in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'll just go on down the list right here. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Now, now let me stop right there. Lovers of money. I hear people say all the time, well, well you know, uh, uh, the love, uh, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not money that is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Amen? Lovers of money, their life revolves around that. Boastful, they're boastful people, arrogant. They're arrogant individual revilers. Always wanting to stir something up, always wanting to cause some kind of trouble, always wanting to get into a fight. But we're living in a world where everybody's wearing their feelings on their sleeves, amen? Everybody wants to get upset about something. You be careful about how you say, you know, uh, how you say this or how you do that. Boy, if Archie Bunker and and Red Fox was on television today, about half the population would drop dead of a heart attack right, right then and there. Amen. Wearing their feelings on their sleeves, disobedient to parents. 
all these bad kids. And we, we could get on that bandwagon for a while and talk about all these bad kids, but why do we have all these bad kids? Because we have all these self-centered parents. Amen? Not willing to put that cell phone down for a little while to talk to, to, to spend some time with their children. Not willing to turn that television off for a little while to spend some time with their children. Is that the case every time, though? There are just some outright bad kids out there. <laughs> Amen? But friends, recognize this. We need parents more involved in their children's lives than in their own lives. Because you sacrificed yourself the moment you decided to have a child. Amen? Disobedient to parents. Again, that's all about being lovers of self. All rooted in being that lovers of self. Again, it's not the case every time, but I believe it's the case most of the time. Amen? Ungrateful. I'm deeply concerned about Ukraine. I've got a big heart for Ukraine. I've, I've been to Ukraine many times. I want to tell you, there's some of the most loving people over there. And every time we give to them, they are so appreciative. And they even go back to their houses and they get out of what little they have and try to give back to you. They're so grateful. But I come back to the United States of America and here in the United States, you give somebody something and say, was that it? What else? Give them a Bible that's red and they want a black Bible. Amen? Give them a large print they want small print. Give them small print they want large print. Ungrateful for what they have within their life. Sin their own self. Ungrateful, unholy. Brother Aaron started preaching my sermon a little bit this morning and Sunday school, that's all right. It was good stuff. Unholy. Hear about God. Have no fear of God. Have no reverence towards God. Have no holy zeal towards God. And if I have no holy zeal towards God, therefore I'm not going to live a holy life. Because I honor Him with my mouth, but not with my heart. Therefore I'm going to live how I want to live rather than how He tells me I ought to live because I don't really care about God or the things of God unholy lovers of self we find right here unholy unloving <laughs> we could spend a long time on that one too unloving irreconcilable am I going to forgive you as my heavenly father has forgiven me Ooh. I'm going to hold on to that one for a long time you ever heard the saying that Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, sometimes you're asking for forgiveness a long time. Amen? Irreconcilable. Not going to get it right with you. I'm going to hold on to that grudge till the day I die. Why? Because I'm a lover of self. Malicious gossip. Oh, Sister Sue, Brother Tom, we need to pray for so-and-so. You know what's going on inside their home? Let me tell you. 
not a heart out of concern for them. Nothing wrong with praying for folks. We need to pray for folks. That malicious gossip is going on, tearing people down, trying to ruin people, trying to destroy people. And it needs to stop. Heard Adrian Rogers say, one time pastor at that time, he'd gone on to be with the Lord. Now, but pastor at that time of Bellevue Baptist Church, which by the way is a huge church, said a lady came up to the altar and said, I need to lay my tongue down on the altar. And he thought to himself, well, that altar's not but 40 feet long. <laughs> Amen? Those malicious gossips, you're not caring about anybody else, you're concerned about yourself. Without self-control, everything is an addiction today. I know the power of addiction. And I know addiction's real. Amen? Chemical addiction is very real. I understand that. But friends, we're calling everything an addiction today. Amen? It's not an addiction. You just don't have any self-control. Why? Because you're more concerned about yourself than anybody else. Brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I don't have time for the things of God. Why? Because I'm so consumed with my own personal pleasures. Now listen, even Jesus retreated for a while. Amen? Even Jesus went off to be by himself for a while. He he took that retreat every now and then for himself, and, and, and sometimes those things are good, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when every day is a spiritual retreat for you, and you're a lover of pleasure and not a lover of God, Amen? Don't have time for the things of God because you're so consumed with everything else going on in your life. Lovers of pleasure rather lovers rather than lovers of God. See, every single one of these things are rooted in being a lover of self. But yet the consistency of Scripture says that I need to die to myself and I need to come alive to Jesus. The Christian says, well, what about me? The Bible says there is no me. There is no you. Paul said that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but he who lives within me. What did he say? He said, I've died to me and I've come alive to Jesus. It's not about me anymore. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? He said, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? See, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what happens to you is you become born again. In order for you to become born again, you need to die to you. Amen? You need to die to you. When you die to you, you come alive to Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean along the process of our our walk with Christ that we don't try to pick the old man up and we don't try to walk in the old man's shoes from time to time because we do and we all do. Every one of us do. But that's not the portrait of our life. Amen? That's not who we are and the consistency of our life. Those times that we mess up, it's those times that we fall. And you know what? When we, when, when, when we slip down, 
Then we fall, the power of the Holy Spirit ought to come back on us and say, hey, you need to get back up again. You need to get back on that right path again. You need to walk for me again. You need to live for me again. And if he doesn't, then something's wrong. So as we continue to look at the consistency of Scripture, we find, you know, the, the, the fact that uh, um, people preaching that, uh, that ear-tickling message coming in the future, it's nothing new because even Jeremiah said this. Jeremiah 14, verse 14 said, The prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. This is what God's saying. The prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I have neither sent them nor commanded them nor spoken to them. They, have prof- they are prophesying to you a-, a false vision of divination, futility, and the deception of their own mind. See, Jeremiah was saying, thus saith the Lord, the king from the Chaldeans is fixing to come, fixing to wipe all you fools out because you keep turning your back on God. And they hated him for it. These false prophets were, oh, everything's okay. Everything's good. Just keep on about your business. They loved them for it. Because we're so consumed with us. We find that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both right now and is going to be in the future. Why? Because that's the heart of man. (laughs) It always has been and it always will be. In that Garden of Eden, they looked at that tree and it was desirable. I want it. They went after it despite what God said. All about self-centered, self-focused love of me. The gospel of me. See, the gospel of me is a lie. The Apostle Paul said to the church of Ephesus, as he was about to leave them, he gave them this warning. He said that I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, among your own selves, among your own church, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. You see, that's the key. After them. Follow them. Follow me. Because it's about me. I'm the superstar. I'm the man of the hour. I'm the one that the spotlight needs to be focused upon. Follow me. I'll lead you down the right path. What did Paul call them? Vicious wolves. What did Jesus call them? Wolves in sheep clothing. Any gospel that tells you to focus on you, is a false gospel. 
Because the one true gospel tells us to deny us and focus on Jesus. Amen? Oh, and it's a constant battle. Even Paul talked about the struggle that he had in Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. Amen? He knew that battle. He understood that battle, and it's a daily battle. Therefore, every day we need to lay self down, die to self. Paul said, I die daily. Does that mean he got saved again every day? No. He only got saved once. But every day it's a battle. Every day it's a fight. That old man or that old woman wanting to rise up in you, make it about you, Focus on you. Friends, we just need to lay us down. It's not about me. And by the way, it's never been about you. By the way, it's never going to be about you. (laughs) Amen? It's all about the one who's worthy. His name's Jesus. I believe as the praise team makes their way up, the closer and closer and closer we get to the return of Christ, the more and the more and the more Satan is going to get mankind to focus on themselves. If it feels good, it must be right. If my heart leads me to it, then it must be right. Except that the Bible tells us the heart is deceptful above all else. Amen? Most lying thing about you, your heart. But we follow thus, saith the Lord God. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter how the rest of the world thinks. God's word is true. I'm going to pursue Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. Because he's worthy. Everybody stand this morning. You're here today and you're all about you. Maybe it's always been all about you and it's never been anything about Jesus. Ask yourself a very serious question this morning. Are you saved? Are you genuinely saved this morning? Are you born again, bought with the blood of Jesus, heaven bound? Do you know that this morning? Do you know within the depths of your heart that you are saved? You've genuinely made that commitment to Jesus. I'm not asking you if you've lived perfectly since then because none of us have. You know that commitment that you made to Jesus whenever it was, it was genuine, it was authentic. By faith you were saved. If not today, friend, would you come?
died to yourself and come alive to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus and I can promise you you're going to discover something. He's worthy. Amen? Maybe you're a Christian today and you know you're a Christian but yet you're not where you ought to be and you know it. You can make a public decision if you want. You can make it private right there where you're at between you and the Lord. However, God moves on your heart, would you go before Him right now and say, God, you know I'm not where I need to be. Put me where I need to be. Right in the center of you. Amen. Anything else on your heart or mind this morning? You come. This altar's open. You come. I'm here. You come. However God stirs. You come. something